Hello, Substack and Apple Premium and all the ships at sea, and welcome to A Very Good Year, the movie podcast where we invite a guest to pick their favorite year of movies and talk to us about that year. I'm your host, Jason Bailey, and across the mic and across the country from me is my co-host. Michael Hull. And for this special uh, season break bonus episode, we're bringing back one of our favorite guests from season one, author of Spike, Mike, Slackers, and Dykes, host of Split Screen, and all-around guru of indie cinema, John Pearson. Welcome back, John. Oh, thank you for letting me uh, back in your lovely show. Yeah, well, we appreciate you doing it. And 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 you brought a special guest as well. Um, joining John tonight is his amazing wife, also a legend on the indie film scene. She was responsible for the vision programming and execution of the South by Southwest Film Festival for 15 years. And is currently the director emeritus for South by Southwest. We're very pleased to welcome the one, the only Janet Pearson. Hey, Janet. Thank you. Delighted to be here. When we had John on earlier in the season, uh, he suggested that we just punt our stupid format and do an episode about their Fiji year. Um, and we talked him into doing a show in the format, but we wanted to keep this in our back pocket as a bonus episode. And here we are. So just to fill our listeners in, uh, and correct me if I have any of this wrong, you guys, from July of 2002 to June of 2003, the two of you and your two then teenage children went to Fiji uh, to operate the 180 Meridian Cinema, the most remote movie theater in the world. And at this 288-seat venue on Tavuni Island in Fiji, you programmed a full year of, of movies, mostly new releases, as free nightly screenings. And the last month of that year was documented in the film Real Paradise, uh, directed by Steve James of Hoop Dreams fame. So let me start with the most obvious question. What made you decide to do this semi-insane thing with the year of your lives? It, it was not a midlife crisis. Let me just start with that. <laughs> I had that. I was about to turn 50, but I saved my midlife crisis for 10 years later when I was about to turn 60. Oh, cool. <laughs> Great. Well, the, the good news is that means you live to 120. Yeah, oh, so congratulations. 60 is the new 20. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, we, of course, uh, in the in the course of doing split screen, each season, uh, we got a little more uh, money uh, to make mm -hmm. the show. So we could be a little more ambitious with the show. And by the time the fourth and last season rolled around, um, I, I, for one, I'm not sure everybody who worked with me agreed, but I, for one, had had enough of doing the show and was wanted to go out with a bang. And sure. so I thought, like, what can we do? Like, let's have a season premiere that's like the craziest thing by far that we've ever done. Mm -hmm. And we looked for the world's most remote movie theater, and partly because we were obsessed with the idea of Y2K. Uh, <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> we were obsessed with where the new millennium would start and sure. assumed it would be somewhere out there on the international dateline, um, which coincidentally just happens to cut through Fiji, through the island of Tabuni, which we were on, which the 180 Meridian Cinema, oh, you can tell from the name, is right on the 180 <laughs> Meridian. Uh, right. So somehow, I don't even know how to describe the the the, the, the alchemy that happened, but we, we, we could not really pull off the stunt, which had been my first plan of showing the first movie of the new millennium, for reasons I won't detail. Um, however, we got there in February, uh, not too much later, and sure. uh, took some uh, movies with us to show uh, to the locals. And uh, once we found this theater, which was truly a diamond in the rough. 
<laughs> Best way to describe it. It had been there since 1954 uh, for no good reason because it's in the jungle on a tiny island without that many people. But the guy who or built it or electricity. <laughs> I think you usually need to yeah. show movies. Um, but the Indo-Fijian guy who built it just loved movies. Um, mm -hmm. When you pushed him to say, hey, why would you build this? He would just go, movies are good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. It's a fine he's point. He's not wrong in, in the least, although occasionally, apparently, he staged boxing matches in there as well. So maybe boxing is also good. <laughs> That's also true. Um, once we had gone and taken these movies uh, for the episode of the television show, uh, I was permanently hooked, wanted to figure mm -hmm. out how to get back. And um, it took a while. They had a coup. Um, oh, yeah. 9-11 happened here. Um, sure. But, but uh, a couple of years later, it finally all pulled together. And I had an opportunity to... Um... Janice, my fact checker here. She doesn't like any <laughs> embellishments. So let's just say we, we never actually bought that theater. But I was, I, I was able to take over that theater and, uh, and, and program it uh, however I wanted. Um, and so that's what took us there. The, the idea of, of the way that you programmed it, I found really fascinating because, you know, I think a lot of us, no matter where you're talking about, you know, given the opportunity to, to take over a theater for a year, we're going to lean towards, oh, well, I want to program the classics or I want to, you know, go and take a dive into my favorite era of cinema i want to program my favorite movies you went with you just op operated it like a regular movie theater that was open in that year showing mainstream new releases what led you to make that particular decision about that being what the theater was going to be valid question um you the, must be cognizant of your audience well, it's even, mm. you also have to be, it was prints. It wasn't a, it wasn't a video theater. It wasn't a digital right. theater. It was a movie theater and you needed actual prints. That's a good one. You know, and the print, I mean, we got our prints from, they were circuit to us on ferries. We would go down to the ferry to actually God. get the prints and the yeah. prints had to, you know, go through the projector. So they, and they were heavy. I mean, wait, it was well, 70. Uh, ideally they went for through the, the people projector. who don't know this, right? <laughs> for people don't know this film cans used to weigh, what was it like 70 pounds yeah. each or together? Yeah. Together. Together. So 70 pounds. So it's so it's not like it was easy to mail or ship sure. that kind of stuff either. We were we were really living in primitive surroundings. It took five months for our books to be shipped from New York to Fiji. We we packed up a carton of books to read. Five yeah. months to get, to get there. <laughs> it was the yeah. slow boat halfway to China. Yeah. Um it, yes. The good the good news, uh yes, we were showing thirty-five millimeter prints, which was one of my rules in looking for the world's most remote movie theater, it couldn't be one of these thrown together, right. you know, couldn't be a sheet somewhere with digital projection, you know, in some, in the Gobi desert, you know, that's cool, but that's not the world's most remote movie theater. No way. Right. Uh, it had to be a four walls and a roof and 35 projection um, or 70, it could have been 70. That would have been valid. <laughs> Pretty good. Somewhere, somewhere in New Zealand was probably the closest, uh, 70 millimeter theater. Um, right. So well, the good news is that um, I think in the, in the entirety of the Fiji Islands, uh, which number 323, but which there are only a few wow. big ones where people actually live um, mm -hmm. on mass. Um, I think there were perhaps a total of a dozen places that had theater, movie theaters. And wow. the 180 Meridian 
was probably about number 11 in terms of the pecking order of that uh -huh. of those 12 when we got there. And it was all circuited through one distributor in Suva, which is the capital on the big island, uh, the Damodar brothers. They were like the Warner Brothers of Fiji. <laughs> and we had our man, Vijan, who for some reason embraced me when he could have easily said like, who is this idiot? Get out of here. Well, uh, well, I would bring him a bottle of scotch occasionally. Maybe that helped. Um, but the way it worked is that over time, um, because I was persistent and because we did pay decently, um, well, I think we moved up to number five, hey. <laughs> you know, well done. and so the, we, they only would get one or two prints into the country of any given film, normally just one, but they got it right away, um, even hmm. for New Zealand. And here's the reason why Fiji was a utter hotbed of piracy. Therefore, if you didn't play something quickly, uh, mm -hmm. you weren't going to get anybody to go to it at all because all these, all these uh, DVDs, um, right. you know, would be, especially the Indian population would get these and play them and you'd be, you'd be screwed. Um, right. New Zealand had tight, very tight piracy, anti-piracy laws, so they could actually wait a little. But Fiji would sometimes be playing, something would open globally and, and we would have a print, not right away because Suva got it first, but we would have a right. print surprisingly fast for that reason. And things also played off quickly. So um, it, it just kept things, uh, it just kept the system constantly circulating. Sometimes I, I just remember one that we could, I think Revenge of the Sith was the Star Wars movie during that time period. Does that sound right to you guys? O2, that, that was Attack of the Clones. No, Attack, yeah, of, the clones, clones Attack was... of the Clones. That's very good. Very good, Jason. Um, yeah, okay. At one point we were waiting for that and they shipped it off to American Samoa, <laughs> which is <laughs> one of the next islands over past Tonga. Uh -huh. It never came back. So uh -huh. we did not show a Star Wars movie because it left the premises. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, one of the things that I think is cool about just about that approach, about the way that it worked out is I think it would be very easy to for for a cynic to to frame this project as a, you know, white savior bringing culture to the, the savages sort of notion. And instead, this was a very populist thing. It's like, these are the movies that everyone is watching right now, and we're going to show them here, too. Um, and, I, and I think that's sort of great. Um, how were God these bless films... you, man. God bless how you. Were these... but, well, go, well, go before, and one of, the, one of the unknown things, too, I, I think I didn't know this for till we'd been there for quite a long time, is that was it, v, was it VHS or was it DVDs, that there were actually movie nights in the villages on tape, on some kind of, I don't know mm. if it was VHS or digital, matter. but there was some kind of, you know, screening like the whole the whole little village would you know go around a little tv and they would be able to watch something so they're watching a lot of junk that was already in the country you know what i mean so mm -hmm. because there had been this question of whether we were infecting or hurting people's you know innocent minds and that's not the case well he just said the opposite which is right. i was which right. i blessed you for i mean the point is that we took all kinds of shit for you know i not only was i i mean I don't know how to phrase this. The NPR crowd <laughs> thought, <laughs> thought that we, you know, why weren't we showing Citizen Kane? Right. And, you know, I'm, and I'm proudly was, you know, showing the hot chick. Um, right. So <laughs> because let's face it, nobody would have, Citizen Kane would have made sense to no one. And the hot chick was quite popular. <laughs> 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 how? Hardly. I mean. 
Well, how were you received? Like, how was, you know, both how were you guys received personally and how was what you were doing received by the residents of the island? Well, there was a lot of love and there was some controversy. I mean, okay. the, the, Catholic, the Catholic Church wasn't crazy about us because we were right. You know, oh, yes. Competing yes. for bodies. Um, and there right. was a question of colonial, there was a question of savior and, and people mistrust the idea of why was it free? What were we, what were we going to do? There's a lot of suspicion about it. And a lot of, you know, a, a lot of the, the Indo-Fijian uh, population, it had, before it had cost a dollar or two to go. And they were the only ones who could afford to go. And they didn't like the fact that it was free. And all of a sudden now it was full of Fijians and full of a lot of kids. And they, Mm -hmm. that was a problem, you know, but there was a lot of love. And I mean, I don't know if this is out of order, but we actually went back 15 years later with our kids just a couple of years ago. And it was kind of beautiful because George had been 15 when we were there and here she was 30. And the four of us were able to get some time and go together. And what was so amazing as we were there is people just kept shouting and we're like, thank you. And John free movies. And it's like everybody over <laughs> the age of 20 remembered us really fondly. And it was yeah. just a beautiful thing, you know? So, and we're still in touch a little bit with Facebook. Strangely enough, there was a, a baby oh, wow. that was born uh, that they gave her my name. It's kind of a thing to kind of get financial support, but uh, so I'm, I'm in touch with them by Facebook. It was all the above. Reactions were from, you know, the full spectrum of reactions and the, you know, the, pre- the stuff with the priests, the, the Catholics um, became contentious at one point and it, it but it, but they love coming to the movies. So I just never, I never quite could understand, you know, it was sort of comp- competitive though. Um, yeah. and, I, and, and they would go, you shouldn't have it during any time we have a church service. And I'm like, but you seem to have a service every night. <laughs> What day do I get? It was just like hard, complicated. Mostly, mostly the, the theater was always full. Some turn away crowds, not 100%, oh, a hundred percent, which was amusing. Well, most, most but mostly, it was full, you know. And it was yeah. it was an exciting thing. And I mean, this is really to set the stage. It's an island without electricity. People are living in tin huts. They're doing the laundry by the river. They're they fish and they farm uh, taro. It's a very simple place. People are born and die on that island. And live there their whole lives, and um, you know, uh, they anyway. This this was a like Janet said a moment ago. This was a memory that really seemingly stuck with people, yeah. um, and that's all we set out to do. Really, was to have a good time and hope that everybody coming along for the ride would have a good time. And it's great that you said 288 seats. We're so specific about that because we would not. We really try to run a tight ship, so we didn't over load the theater and make it dangerous. You had to be in a seat or you couldn't come in. And so people would do all kinds of things. There were a few broken seats. I think three people would squat over the broken (laughs) seat. Show me they were in a seat. I wouldn't make them go. We didn't have a lot of rules, but being in a seat was one of them. And please don't throw any rocks in the toilet was another. (laughs) Um, And what... What is the state of the theater now when you guys went back to the, did, I mean, did you go see it? Is, is it still used at all? Like what's the, what's the story there? It's an empty building mm. pretty much uh, since we left. Although ironically for a while, apparently it became, became a church, hey. <laughs> but not a Catholic I mean, church. I mean, part, part of the origin story was that the, the, there were three, there were three brothers and the middle brother who really loved movies 
who had been running the theater for years, he had to, he emigrated to New Zealand, which a lot of, mm. a lot of Indo-Fijians were doing because of the coup and they couldn't land. It's all complicated story, but he had moved away. So then the youngest brother took over who didn't really care, you know? So mm. it's sort of like, so, so John's whole, one of the spurs to get involved with this was to save the cinema, like to keep it, to keep right. it going, right. you know? So that was one of John's whole ideas. And then, so we were there for a year. And then when we left, it was like, there was nobody there who cared, you know, it was, it was yeah. done. But, and yeah. by the way, Don Sook, the brother who ran the theater, was a, a, just a sweetheart of a guy. He, and I, I looked at, I had him hand over his uh, booking logs at one point to see what he'd been playing for the last mm -hmm. two years. And and again, it they would just play. If it came into the country, they might play it, even if it was Ghost Dog had played there, for example. I don't know exactly right. why. Although um, right. we, had, we had a Forrest Whitaker success later on, so maybe it had laid the groundwork. But they he had shown Memento. And I'm like, with this wow. audience, and I'm like, how did, I said, not so, how did that go over? He goes, he goes, well, the first greeting was really a problem because I think the reels were all out of order. <laughs> <laughs> then I fixed it. I switched around. <laughs> <laughs> people got it much better. That's Take great. that, Chris Nolan. Take that. <laughs> That's great. Um, so as we as we mentioned in the intro, uh, there is a documentary film about this called Real Paradise that Steve James directed. Um, how well did that film capture the experience for you? Uh, sort of how how accurate is is that to, to, to what that time was like? Well, it's a complicated uh question but our mm. you know this the first answer the first simplest one is our son our son at the time when he was just a, a 13 said the film doesn't capture how much fun we had mm. you know we just we we really had a lot of fun there all year long right and the film right. is you know is more complicated than that mm -hmm. yeah okay well, but i have to ask a question about yeah. your son also mm -hmm. by the way who okay. <clears throat> is Kind of a dick in the movie in the way only a, a, a like 13 year old can be. But is he a film rep now? Because he was right about everything. He could have been nicer about it, but his judgment was dead off. You know, he, he's, a, he's a software programmer for Amazon. He's been there for like nine years and he just moved to Madrid uh, earlier in the year um, to relocate it for a couple of years because he actually wanted to live in another culture uh, and he wanted to live in a place where there was a better work-life balance. So he left Seattle and, and moved to Madrid. But yeah, he's hilarious, but he is not a movie kid. He is not. But he's still right about everything. I mean, th <laughs> yeah. those sound like solid choices. We're not. We're not going to tell him that yeah. you said that. I'm not giving him that ammunition. Are he's, you kidding? Yeah, he's a. He's got a great mind. I always learn listening to him. I. He's great. I think we all have each. Each of the four of us has different issues uh, with the movie. Um, why it's actually really hilarious in the movie, not only right but oh, yeah. also really funny. And you would think he might embrace it, but he feels it treats his sisters so unfairly that it, it, it that turned him against the movie. George is a rebellious 16 year old and maybe not that unusual for that age, but it was the end of our time there and we were about to come back to America and she was going to have to reenter the old culture and everything and figure out what was going on. It, was a, it would have been a stressful time for her. And, yeah. Well, she also, she's also really one of the most competitive people I've ever met in my life. And she thought of herself as the funny one. And I think it bugged her that Wyatt got a lot of the laugh. <laughs> but, I, but I just, <laughs> I was just talking to her literally two days ago um, about this a little bit. And she was very sweet about 
saying, you know, I was 15. I had a lot of attitude at the time, yeah. you know, but, but, she, but she doesn't, she doesn't watch, she has not rewatched the movie and she doesn't intend to. Yeah. It, it does capture um, the experience in the theater really well, but that's not hard to do because of course, I think the original split screen episode did that really effectively as well. If you see the, um, that three stooges clip uh, that's in the episode and that's incorporated into the opening of the movie, that was really why I had to go back. I, that audience reacting to that Three Stooges, they're, they're one and only short set in the South Pacific with a cannibalism theme called Samoa of Samoa. Um, you, you go to Fiji, they tell you on the way in, don't talk about it. Don't talk about cannibalism, you know. And mm -hmm. everybody there actually loves talking about it. <laughs> they, <laughs> a, 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 a past history that I, I think the last person that somebody ate in that country was in the around the time of the American Civil War. It wasn't that long ago. So, um, but that, so again, that short is just so, it's just so funny to watch that short, you know, which is, you know, Curly getting, you know, boiled in a pot and, you know, about to be eaten and almost eaten by an alligator as well to boot. Um, but to watch that with an audience there, it, it, you know, thinking that it was a taboo subject, but that they, they were just losing it like you'd never seen. You could never remember in any experience here, maybe back in the 30s or something. I don't know when movies were like that here in America, but it was just it was a, such a sensation that it renewed. I, hey, look, I love independent film and all that, but I had not felt that love, that complete, utter delight in watching a movie here in a really long time. And that's why I wanted to go back and get a, get as yeah. much of that as possible. Was that selfish? A little bit. And for me, it's interesting. I, I have I end up with a very very personal sort of idiosyncratic relationship to the film. I mean, it is our life. So a part of me looks at it and it's like this incredible home movie from this adventure that we had. And it's like, oh, sure. okay, that's what it was like. And seeing the people, it's kind of it's very emotional for me. But it taught me a huge lesson about documentary truth because I always believed everything I'd ever seen or like I would read, you know, I just kind of a believer people, a lot of people call me gullible. Right. And I realized, so I realized having never actually made a film, even though I'd been involved with a television show and even done some directing on that, you know, you've got this angle and like, I'm standing next to John, but the camera's on John and I'm just out of the frame Well, I'm out of the story. And it was so, right. that just, it was so clear to me how that worked with that film. It happened over and over again. I'm in the kitchen cooking, but Steve's having a beer with John on the front porch. And in the movie, you just hear about the cook. You never see what I'm actually cooking, you know? So it's stuff like that, that it, it, it was a great lesson about there is no real truth of documentaries. There's only a documentary truth and the whole, you know, camera affects everything. That's hundred percent true. You know, it's its own reality. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have an authenticity. Like the living room scene with us, that is a raw family moment. And that's us, we're fighting and then we're laughing and our kids are outspoken. And, and you know, Steve, it was interesting because we thought Steve would be sympathetic because he had high school kids, but he actually, his kids are really different than ours. And we really uh, encouraged our kids to be independent thinkers and talkers. And, and you see that, you know, so um, it's, you know, that would it's be interesting. Steve, that would be Steve but, James she's talking about. And I, and I did, I ended up doing uh, the audio commentary with Steve, just John, John stayed out of it at that point, but I just did. <laughs> He couldn't, he couldn't engage. I was finished. But I had did a conversation with Steve where I actually go through the film and I look at the narrative construct that he imposed on our real lives. And, um, you know, somebody suggested it should be taught in grad school because it was rare to have a director and a subject who are peers and who can kind of speak the same language, dissecting something like that. But he very much imposed 
his narrative on our lives. And of course we experienced our lives a little differently as authentic as we are in the film. Sure. That, that totally makes sense. Well, that, that, and that's fascinating because going through that experience for you, Janet, as someone who then, you know, spent so many of, of the intervening years uh, involved in this really primitive film festival with all of these incredible documentaries that shifted sort of the way you saw that entire genre, that entire process in some way. Yeah, I'm always really aware of the camera and who's playing to the camera now. It made me more sensitive to it, but it, it didn't mean that I don't love them. And I think what was interesting too is I was always kind of a background associate of John's for a long time. And and that experience outed me kind of as my own person a little bit, which then had, you know, sort of interesting repercussions as, a, as I moved into the South by years. Gotcha. Um, so beyond that, like what, if anything, did did you learn in that year that has sort of stuck with you, uh, you know, about movies, about audiences, about exhibitors? Like, what you know, what were your sort of, I know it's a giant question, but what were your sort of big intellectual, emotional takeaways from this experience? Well, it, 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 as a student of the film industry, um, one thing that I, I'd have been clear to me on an independent level with the films that we were involved with in the 90s that had, um, I, I would call, exhibited sort of identity politics where audiences really embraced them because they were about them. Mm-hmm. So she's got to have it for the black audience or go fish for the lesbian audience. Um, just two easy examples. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was really interesting um, in that setting was to see even there at the ends of the earth, it was really interesting to see how um, that Fijian audience was so responsive uh, to black characters um, in film. And you could see how, what a global impact that might have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 it it manifested in the oddest ways Um, because you'd see, you know, you'd see Queen Latifah in bringing down the house, which is in real paradise and the, the love for her um, and excitement over what she does in that movie. She's beating up um, Missy Pyle or whoever that actress is. And she's hanging her up by a coat coat rack and everything. It's like people were going nuts, Um, but it could also be um, the rock in Scorpion King um, who's half Samoan, right? right? So that was a that was not just another black person or partly black person. That was an islander. Um, right. So you know people went c- crazy seeing him. Same thing with this. Like nobody quite knows all the ethnicity of Vin Diesel. But well, the first movie I showed before the family came over was Fast and the Furious, and people just flipped out for him. Mm. And then we kept popping up. I think we showed Triple X, and I'm not sure a couple of other things during the year. Um, and, and, you know, and people really fully embrace, embrace a guy like him, too. So you could see how some of these uh, you could just sort of see how on a global level, how it was going to work for some of these performers. It was great. It was really fun. Um, you, you would notice that I was was it made in Manhattan that it would like like the, the audience would pay attention to the background characters. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't even paying attention to the foreground, but they were identifying with, a, right. with you know, the racially uh, recognizable people in the background. Right. It, it, it was also. Um, yeah, keep going. <laughs> I well, mean, there was a, just a lot of joy, you know? I mean, so to experience that kind of really profound, simple joy was a, a beautiful thing. Yeah. When you can make a movie, one of the things that made me appreciate is that when you can make a movie that's uh, really 
um, successful and satisfying on a commercial level, uh, but also has really positive and thoughtful content. And I'll use the mm -hmm. best example probably for our time was Bennett like Beckham, which even the priests endorsed. Mm -hmm. It was like, everybody should come to that, not eight mile, you know? And I'm like, it, it's, it, it was, it's really interesting to see a film like that and wish that there, there were more films like that. Even if I, even if we were showing the hot chick, and we were showing, you know, Undercover Brother and whatever, whatever all the other films from the commercialists you've seen have been, have been, if we could have, if there could have been more films like Bennett, like Beckham, we certainly would have shown them, you know? <laughs> right, right. And there were things that were surprising to us too. I mean, this is not the global answer to what you're asking, but I, I was made, always amazed by a film like Panic Room was hugely popular. And I always wondered, how is anybody here relating to a New York City apartment <laughs> with a, you know, security room? But the, like right. the suspense totally worked, you know, they loved it. That's where I say the Forrest Whitaker groundwork had been laid with Ghost Dog. But they, that was an audience that totally wanted to see him get away with get away at the end with the money or the bonds. I don't think they know what a bond was, but it was like whatever it was. It's like we want him to get away. Um, but I, it was it was it revived being in that set, setting um, revived my interest in what I'd left behind. I don't know if it's true for you, Janet, but for, for me, it, it brought me back to America being ready to embrace a lot of diverse independent films, um, you know, that were that ha that were made with a much higher degree of intelligence again. But it was sort of like balanced out both sides of the equation for me, because I, nothing's more joyful to me still than seeing a commercial film with a really, really responsive audience. It just it just leveled the I don't know which actually you? you know you think about it for years at South by is known for like these incredible audience audience screenings but for me it was a really liberating experience it just it liberated me from a lot of you know anxiety I had about a certain way to be in the world and there's just a sense of people are people you know we made we, mm -hmm. we lived there we had friends like it, it just it was this sort of it just opened me up to kind of like different ways of living that are just fine you know that are great in fact. I don't get to sweep up as much anymore. That's sort of a, <laughs> I took, I took cleaning that theater really seriously. <laughs> All right. So we, there were a handful, you, you were kind enough to send me the full list of, of everything you guys screened over the, over the course of that, that year. Um, and so uh, there, and there were a handful of ones that, that we wanted to sort of pull out as, as notable selections that you had a little something to, to say or an anecdote or something about the screening. And then we'll wrap it up with a lightning round where we will zip through everything else. Um, so here are some, but here are some of the ones that, that you would specifically want to talk about. First of all, this was the year that uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was, was a, a global phenomenon, presumably all the way in Fiji. Uh, you bet. And it was actually the first film we showed once Janet and the kids were there. Um, okay. To backtrack just a, just a wee bit, I would go for six months before then, I was going in and out of the country to sort of lay the groundwork, prime the pump, make sure everybody was going to be safe and secure. And so I was showing movies periodically off and on during those six months as well. And that's when The Fast and the Furious was the first film of that phase. Um, and Harry Potter, which they'd never seen a Harry Potter film, was the last film of that phase. But when we all came over um, in the summer, in, in, in early August, and got underway, Spider-Man was the very first film. And um, the, the, the scene, <laughs> it, was, it was very popular. 
But the scene <laughs> that just brought, brought out the oohs and the ahs is, I don't know if you remember this in the movie, they, the kids make Thanksgiving dinner uh, mm-hmm. for Willem Dafoe and whoever right? else in their, in, their, in their city, in their loft, their city loft, right? And there's a close-up. Sam Raimi has an extreme close-up of what looks to be about a 20-pound golden brown turkey. Yes. Um, and everybody, they don't, they're not starving there. They plenty of fish, plenty of taro. But that had, they had not seen the likes of that ever before in, on that island, as far as we could tell. And the audience just lost it, ooing and eyeing. Then it turns out um, there wasn't a lot of cultural awareness, I think, of what... Uh, a turkey is so in in school when I was talking to the kids in school who'd all been there to the uh, the movie of course (laughs) they just said we had no idea you had such giant chickens in America (laughs) 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 and I just will never never ever like that's that's when Wyatt got the idea smart ass that he can be even though he's the sweetest kid that's when Wyatt got the idea that he would, uh, whenever somebody in school had a question that they took away from one of the movies, that he might play them a little bit. Um, right. That set the groundwork for uh, future future incidents, which maybe we'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an extreme. That like that turkey fills the screen. Well, if I'm remembering correctly, because even the best, you know, we ate chicken, but it was very rare. And the chickens were really quite scrawny, and they were de- <laughs> and they were delicacies. They were free range. Had them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've forgotten that. It's funny. Uh, we had a James Bond movie released in this year. That was uh, Pierce Brosnan and Die Another Day. That's the companion story. So um, you may remember the last act of that movie features, uh, uh, you know, all the. Uh, North Pole, under the North yes. Pole, wherever the hell that's supposed to be, with the invisible cars racing around. Yep. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, High-speed invisible car chases. Um, yes. And so, again, for for Wyatt, the next day, the question in school was, <laughs> do you guys, back in America, do you guys have an invisible car? <laughs> and... Uh, and and Wyatt, like I say, at this point, playing along and milking it a little, goes like, "Well, yes, we do." And then, and then this was the Fijian genius of of like really kind of thinking about these things. This kid asked him, like, "If you have an invisible car, though, how do you keep from hitting the other invisible cars?" <laughs> Which is kind of a good question, I That's would true. think. Very true. They had, I think you see tire tracks on the uh, on the ice in the in the in the movie, right? That's how you're supposed to, as a viewer, that's how you keep track right. of where what the relative positions are. I mean, you hear them roaring and revving up their engines, but you just see tire tracks. Yeah. I think. <laughs> um, we mentioned this. One that's earlier, the bomb right? where they had to make. That's the bomb where they had to make North Korea the bad guy, right? Because at that point, you couldn't, you know. You had to lay off the other potential enemies. You definitely Correct. at that point were, all, were already far off of China and, you know, yep. um, the Russians. And it was just, yeah, North Korea is still, I guess you can still make them the enemy. Well, maybe not. any. I forgot. Not, a, not after that incident. <laughs> not after the interview. Um, you, we, we mentioned it briefly. I didn't know if you had more to say on the Scorpion King, which was a, a big hit that summer. 
Well, I, I just, that's, I didn't know who The Rock was before that. And boy, did I know who he was then. I mean, it was just like, <laughs> it, he was so popular. I think that's one of the only films we showed a couple of times. Yeah, we brought it back you twice. Know, because it was just so oh, insanely wow. popular and beloved. It was really, that was exciting. We wow. showed normally like on a, on a weekend when we were uh, there and showing stuff, we would show two movies, but not as a double bill. Um because we had to wait for it to get dark. And then basically the generator was only good for one film. So we would show one on one night, then the other, then one, then the other over from Thursday to Sunday. That's the way that worked. But the, but the, but the, um, yeah, the rock. Go ahead. No, th- no, this is, this is so trivial. I, my favorite photo I took the whole year is this little kid, Uliano, who we loved. He was 11 years old. He hung out all the time around us, super shy kid. But I have a photo of him in front of the Scorpion King poster and the rock star. So it's like Uliano between the rock and the rock star. This yeah. is my favorite photo. Very, there's a, there's a, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> a lot of sword play. We, the, the Scorpion King engendered much sword play uh, with sticks. Uh, around the island for um, for a long time, you know, you could you could. It was funny to see the way cultural influence uh, certain movies. Like when we did this Three Stooges promotion at one point, because the uh, the Farrelly brothers were making a special, I think, for NBC or something. They came and shot something at the theater since the Three Stooges were so beloved. We gave everybody. Um, they shipped in T-shirts. Everybody had a Three Stooges T-shirts, but they were kind of some of them were a little racy. Like it would say instead of got milk, there was a shirt that said God Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bend It Like Beckham, which you mentioned earlier, yeah. w- was also on the list. I think I've had, I, I ha- I've said what I wanted to about that. It's just if there, gotcha. were, if there were, if there was a film like that every week, we would have shown a film like that every week. Right. Um, something right. like Rabbit Proof Fence might have also fallen into that category, except it was a bit um, impenetrable, I think, for, or slow moving mm-hmm. perhaps for that, for our audience. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but not exactly art films, but high quality films. Yeah, they're art films. I don't yeah. know what an art film yeah. is anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is, <laughs> is that even worth Dude, the debate me neither. anymore? I don't. I don't. No. <laughs> um, the Eminem vehicle Eight Mile was released while you were there. Desperate to show it. Love showing it. Uh, Fiji has one had one television station, Fiji One, and one radio station, Radio One. Um, the radio station pl- was playing "Lose Yourself" about every fifteen minutes. Um, <laughs> sure, even though it's not like here where everybody car radios or whatever, you'd still hear it everywhere you went. And it was it was first of all, I think, still think that's a great song. Um, I love the movie as well, but the, but it was so clear an indication that after being a more I guess North American thing or first world thing, you know, or whatever, Eminem had gone global uh, with that song, and then everybody just really love seeing the movie i had seen it ahead of time so i should have remembered the um suggested though not graphic sex scene in the factory or assembly line or whatever it is and um but i let every kid of every that was supposed to be an over over 16 or what was it janet do you remember the yeah eight-year-olds weren't supposed to go to that movie let's just put it that way you're talking about a culture where there's no privacy on any level and everybody lives together in one and a half rooms so i mean they're they're real questions about who knows how it's different meaning <laughs> you know for privacy people used to come in and they would just put like their hoods over their faces or even a towel over their head so it's like they would get privacy when they were still in a crowd of people so i you know I, we felt a little funny about it but I, we don't really know well you that. mean meaning everybody was exposed to sex at home i think so okay 
Good. Well, the priest didn't. I don't really know. Priest but I didn't, think so. The priest didn't go for that theory, so they. they <laughs> that's when they got energized and tried to find. They made sure I. They didn't believe I'd gotten all my licenses and everything, but I had been meticulous oh, about Lord. doing my paperwork, so that didn't work. Lord, screw them. Um. Agreed. Um, over the uh, over the same weekend, I should say, because you you would sometimes you didn't do like double features, but you would have alternating nights, yeah. maybe of 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 titles. Uh, we had Crossroads with Britney Spears and Enough with Jennifer Lopez in the same weekend. Uh, what, what was that like? Amazing weekend. I remember being Georgia. We had didn't exactly have a marquee. We didn't really have uh, normal display cases either. Um, we did. We could put posters up, so I shouldn't say we, we we had display areas, but we had this board, our message board, where we had these felt letters and a hammer and nails, where we would nail up whatever <laughs> whatever we wanted people to know about that weekend, and that weekend was Britney versus J Lo. <laughs> That's how we build those two films. And they both they both play great. I'm just amazed. Uh, I I I think there's certain films we showed. Uh, over there that played per capita best they ever did in the world. And I think, I think those two were two of them. And I think that um, another one for sure is sorority boys. And that's a function of how <laughs> they, cross dressing was a much beloved subject. Um, uh-huh. e- even if, even if it was Will Smith putting on the dress of wild wild West, man, they just, they just loved it. Juana man. Also, they just, they just love that stuff. Um, but I, I didn't realize until, until you sent me this list that there was that much drag comedy in this particular year, all. but we, it was we, a big we traced them down and got them. Uh, yeah. But, but, but the thing is on, on, she's going to take enough, but on, on, on crossroads, I just wanted to say, because crossroads might've had its best per capita run in the world at the 180 Meridian cinema, albeit for free. I feel particularly invested in the fact that she wants to, Brittany is trying to front yep. and fuel the sequel and has apparently yep. gotten various and sundry parties to sign on to this. It seems to be like on a, on an actual business level, it's, it's like the worst idea in the history of sequels. But <laughs> if, if, it, if there is a crossroads sequel, we might have to go back and reopen that theater. Yes. Just there you it. go. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, laughing about the cross dressing, but, but what was crazy about enough was his seriousness. There was a lot of domestic violence there. Um, and, and in what was so incredible about enough was, first of all, people love JLo, as we already said, but people really identified and a lot of women in the, in the audience were crying, but they were, then they were applauding, but you also had men applauding and it was sort of like people were applauding the violence and the retribution, you know, it was really complex and fascinating, but that was, that was riveting that experience. We, we, we also, as you see in the movie, that was one, we loved the movies that we were, since we were kind of the end of the line, when we got display material, um, I think in a, closer to the capital city, you were kind of supposed to return it in maybe, but we didn't. So we had that, that <laughs> enough display, which took a long time to build. It was really complicated. It was sort of like an Ikea project almost. Um, <laughs> but that was, you know, people just loved, loved having those around the theater. Um, and it was a big giveaway on our closing night. That went that went home, made somebody very happy taking the nice. enough display home. Nice. J Lo's Made in Manhattan also came out during this year, no? Well, yeah, and I mentioned earlier what was so funny about that, it was all the side characters. It was the the maids of the hallways that were like being getting the mm-hmm. cheers and they were getting all the attention. It was who it was who the audience was identifying with, which I, I loved seeing that. She's nice. Somebody should tell J Lo to, you know, again, 
Fiji's her, she's got to go there. <laughs> got a lot of fans. Not just um, Claude Van Damme. I mean, they do love him too. <laughs> um, another shared weekend, you had uh, Men in Black 2 and Stuart Little 2. Is that right? That is completely correct. Both Sony releases. And here's why that's relevant. Um, even in a place where there's really no competing entertainment other than our movie theater, um, when people didn't like something or were bored, they walked out. Okay. I, I was like, I can't believe it. People were like, I'm going, well, they didn't pay. So <laughs> why the hell not? <laughs> but people walked out on mass, um, from both of those movies. Um, you know, I would say past the halfway point. Um, wow. Stuart little two is a little bit different because there's a, a Celine Dion song at the end. And, <laughs> and I, People, when they walk out, just sort of vanish into the darkness and the jungle. And you don't know where, where are they, where they've gone. And But then the Celine Dion song came on and the theater was open. You know, it had open. It was the only theater in the world that had doors and windows open when you're showing a movie. It was really fun that way. But people heard Celine Dion in the background and came rushing back in. <laughs> the theater refilled. <laughs> anyway, I wrote this piece. Beautiful. I had written an earlier piece in the LA Times when we first went over, uh, which again got us in trouble because I said, "Hey, this is the place where uh, island where a movie theater where Curly is God," and it was taken literally. Mm-hmm. It's like he believes it; he worships Curly. Um, <laughs> but I, but then I wrote um, a second piece where I talked about, um, amongst other things, what I just said about people like if they think something's bad or boring or dull or uninteresting, they'll walk out even if they're not you know, rushing off to do something else. And I, I mentioned those two films, Sony, their rep for that part of the Pacific in New Zealand called my, my man and Damodar brothers in Suva and said, take him off service. <laughs> Don't wow. ever book a Sony film with him again. <laughs> and Vijen's going like, he doesn't charge any money and he pays for him. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't service him. So anyway, he had to not service me for a while and it died down and I was back on Sony's Wow. no longer shit list. Wow. But they just hated <laughs> reading about people walking out on their movies in the middle of nowhere. That's awesome. Men in Black 2 also had great displays. And again, in the movie, you can see uh, Tommy Lee and um, Will um, on opposite sides of the doorway holding big weaponry and whatever else they've got. And everybody walking by, whether it was to the left or the right, would pu- give, them a pu- give them a punch. You know, <laughs> that, nice. I can't believe, I mean, I had to keep putting them back up every, you know, every, every couple of movies, they'd be falling off because they just got punched so often. It was just, it was classic. And, and, and Stuart Little too had like uh, some animal displays. I remember we had a big hawk or something, and I don't remember the movie that well, inside the theater. People couldn't reach that. I don't know what they would have done with the hawk, but it was really... I lo- the display stuff was great. I don't yeah, know what to say. I sound like a kid. Fun. I know, but it was... It, 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 was, was, really fun. it was really it was really fun. Uh, you sound like a person who loves movies and movie theaters. I think it's perfect. Well, I, mean, I mean, it was so queer to me. You know, he's, he's not there anymore, but, you know, when I met John, and we met at a movie theater, and he had been an exhibitor on his own before that, and, and I spent the whole year kind of just like looking at him in Fiji thinking this is the core of who this person is. Like just, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like at rest with nothing. He just is a, an exhibitor, which I don't actually, it, strangely enough, I don't have the same gene the same way. Um, mm. But, but it was really fun to watch him kind of uh, put it all together. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's the uh, same. She's the same way in that she wants to connect 
movies with their audience. You know, that's really, mm -hmm. but she yeah, doesn't I'm need to like do a it. a champion in a way. Doesn't need to do it. Actually, like, I don't like the sweet, I don't like the, 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 the nuts and bolts of yeah. actually running a right. theater. <laughs> right. I've never seen you sweep yeah, anything, exactly. honestly. Exactly. <laughs> but, hey, I've never. You know, I mean, the movie look, makes me look like a spoiled asshole because I'm like complaining about my keyboard. But, you know, but that's how we communicated. You know what I mean? We were right. in place with email. Well, that's how we got the movies and that's how we were in touch. So it's right. like, hey, I've, I've got the admin thing going on. I'm the communicator. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, you wanted to say a little something about, God, I'm going to embarrass myself with this title, with uh, about Kabi Kushi Kabi Gam, an Indian film of note. I think the number one Indian film of that year. Um, and he's gone mm -hmm. on to uh, direct others. He, um, he's a wonderful director. That's a, that's a really terrific film. And I'm, I use that as to represent all the Bollywood stuff we showed out of respect for the tradition that existed in the theater. We would, we would generally mm -hmm. do it on Sundays, not every Sunday, but that was sort of like Bollywood day. Um, and, uh, and in the movie, you see a film called Kante, which is, uh, you know, there's a lot of Indian, um, they don't, they don't need to show American movies there because they incorporate elements of American movies in their own a lot of times. So Kante is like... Kante is great. It's usual suspects <laughs> cross with Reservoir Dogs, movies. right? But with, it's it's oh, awesome. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Kushikabi, that, that director had a big hit this year with... Oh, now I'm blanking on the name. It's like a Romeo and Juliet story. Uh, Rocky, Rocky and Ronnie's love story. Yeah, that's yes. it. Rocky and Ronnie's which love story, is which is... Really awesome. I think it's going to be it. on... Um, on, um, on Amazon Prime. People should watch that. It's a wonderful movie. He's a terrific director. I mean, it's not like triple R action, but it's a, it's got it's got it's that full. You know, the thing about Bollywood is that you get a full meal at those movies. Mm -hmm. You get a really full yes. eight course meal, and um, that was one back then. And this is one that he made this year. He's he's a wonderful director. See, this is what I like is that we're 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 talking about a bunch of movies. You know that you guys uh exhibited 20 plus years ago but you got to take a pause to 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 boost uh an upcoming release uh and make sure it's on people's radar that's that that instinct will be in you uh until the day you die john Pearson, and i love that about well, you. you um i wish i i wish i could boost more buster keaton films that would be if there were people <laughs> to discover i'd be all over that i wanted to say there was a couple of the like because jason you know i i got sent me the list and and you know i'm looking at the list and i've seen most of these movies you know, and, and like a lot of them, but I, there were a few I hadn't seen, including several of the Indian movies. So I sort of felt like, all right, let me go and, and you know, check these out, at least page through them, see if there's something. First of all, Kante is amazing. Yeah. Like it is that it, that movie is like you said, like, you know, it's they've obviously seen all the heist movies you like. And they were like, all right, cool. We're going to use this part. Yeah. We're going to use that yeah. part. <laughs> but they do it really seamlessly. But the movie that blew me away was Lagan. Oh, that's a that's I had, a classic. Oh, what a classic, great movie. That's the best sports movie I've ever seen. Like, this is the thing about Indian movies. They, like, if there's a knock on them, they lack nuance, maybe you'll say, a certain subtlety that's built into some finer American and European directors. I don't know how how you want to say it. But sports movies don't need nuance. Nope. Sports movies don't need subtlety. Subtlety ruins sports movies. And so, like, everything you like about sports movies, they do in Lagan, but it is just sort of taken to a level that American directors just don't have the guts. I don't know how else to say it. I'd never thought about that, about sports movies, until I watched Lagan. A anyway, and it's also about cricket, which is... 
you guys don't know this, but this is an ongoing conversation on this show, uh, which is that I like, you know, in my in my news segments to include some sports. And, and I, you know, but what I know from what I've seen of cricket is drinking with Indian dudes. Yeah. Is the way, which is a very exciting way to watch cricket, even if you don't know the rules. And anyway, this that movie was amazing. Lagan really like. There's a lot of great movies on here, but I think that might be one for a lot of people to say like, here's a rec- here's one you've probably never seen that is as good as everything else on the list. It's and there's there was a real lack of music videos in Lagan, <laughs> but otherwise, great great movie. You actually can learn the rules of cricket by watching that movie. Which I I understand it much better at yeah. the end than at the it's beginning. It's the most I ever paid in film rental um, because that was a hot title still at that point, and I paid two hundred Fijian dollars, which is about a hundred US. Uh, nothing else costs that much until I had to sort of pay a bribe to get um, Jackass. <laughs> it had actually been sort of banned. Um, so wow, that took a little. That took a little cash uh but lacan <laughs> is the highest legitimate film rental they call it film hire which i also think is a, a kind of beautiful you you, you don't rent films you hire them you hire them um, and that's that was, beautiful that was 200 i was gladly paid <laughs> all right john and jenna before we go would you like to do a lightning round you you bet all right, so here's what we'll do. I've got the alphabetical list of all of the all of the films that that played in this year that we have not touched on yet. Uh, just hit me with either if there's something about how it played there or your own uh, opinion or thoughts on it. If you have nothing to say, you can just pass. Uh, but let's let's click through and see what we come up with. All right, here we go. Twenty eight days later. They didn't know the difference between slow and fast zombies. <laughs> so the, we can't get into that debate. <laughs> Jackie Chan and the Accidental Spy. Just Jackie Chan in general, massively popular there. And I and that's why I got the, the Damodar brothers to dig into their archive, so to speak, of prints they mm-hmm. kept in country, um, most of which were in horrible shape. But I said, just send me every, you know, whenever I, whenever yeah. you can, send me another Jackie Chan, which is why um, later on you'll see Drunken Master and Drunken Master 2 on the list. You know, and it's like, we yeah. sometimes show the whole films and sometimes we just use them like between shows and show certain great clips of moments from those films, you know, put up a reel here or a reel there. Yeah. Um, it, but he, he, and they love the, they called the, uh, uh, the, the, the credit, uh, the credit scenes. Uh, they just called them bloopers. I guess they, did they use that word? Yeah. Were they confused? I think they were confused about what to call them. I think we all are <laughs> what to call them, but that was, oh my God. Um, I don't remember the, in the, the accidental spy at all though, what it, what plot it had or whether it was, that's not the one where he has to run fast. Is it? That's, <laughs> don't forget. <laughs> Keep moving, so, moving on. One of the later lesser Jackie Chan vehicles, uh, Michael Mann's Ali. Yeah, before you weren't there yet, Janet, but that was, um, uh, and I, I, interestingly, neither was I. Our friend Don Ward, who went on the original split screen trip, and we showed his movie The Suburbans with Will Ferrell. Um, he was running the theater for me for a couple of weeks at one point. He got that one, so we'll have to get Donnie on the show to ask. I don't know how it played. I love the film, I still do. I think he's a very good Muhammad Ali. I agree. 
Um, this one we actually see see in uh, Real Paradise, Apocalypse Now Redux. I think that was because, I, I don't remember that well, but I feel like that was my request because that's one of my favorite movies. I love Apocalypse Now. And, and the whole thing about us being there was like Mosquito Coast meets Apocalypse Now, whatever. And, and I mean, I really, I really loved it. I never and then of course, I, and, and, and I don't know if, you know, but of course I'm showing up terribly in the movie by Wyatt making fun of me mercilessly in the audience. They, they, they couldn't stand it. But I watched it and I was like, I really love that movie. And I guess I hadn't seen the extended version. And so now I have there, but there you go. I I love that film. I think mostly white people from the nearby resort, the garden Island Inn, we should give them a plug. I think that's mainly who showed up that night. (laughs) Austin powers in gold member. I, I, again, I, I, Sort of like the that was the second time around, or was there an in between film between there and the first Austin Powell? That was that was the third one. The second third one was one? the Spy Who Shagged Me. Yeah, I just remember nothing being as good as the first. That's all I can. There you go. On that subject. John Singleton's Baby Boy. Uh, again, before Janet got there, that's a that was an interesting film to see with the audience there. But that's I think that's a very very underrated film. Um, and I think uh, Tyrese, right? I think Tyrese is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a that's a that's a the mo- that's on a way a standalone, very unusual film for John Singleton Singleton to have made. You know, unfortunately, a disclaimer with all these. My I've never had the memory that John has. Um, and then you know, fifteen years of triage, uh, kind of like <laughs> doing the job I did. Yeah, it's there's a, yeah. there's a lot of blankness for me, so I apologize. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Chris Rock and Anthony Hopkins. Just to finish that off on Baby Boy, though, it's so raw. I mean, it's just really Mm -hmm. raw film. Have you seen it recently or it's just really raw? I haven't seen it since it first came out, but it's yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, All right. Chris Rock and Anthony Hopkins in Bad Company. I just basically remember them, two of them on the poster. Not much about it. It was so generic. Yep. <laughs> it was very generic. Right down to the title. Tony's, or excuse me, Ridley Scott's Black Hawk Down. Intense. Audience felt it there, mm-hmm. too. So intense. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that. Uh, that's actually definitely one of his, wouldn't you, that's a top five film for, 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 for Ridley Scott, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Born Identity was released while you were there. Okay, here you go. Bad, bad accent. Jason Bourne. He is a dangerous man. Um, in the trailer, <laughs> we showed the trailer for that film for some reason for months on end before the film showed. Everybody's like, where's the film? Where's the film? All the kids, again, same thing, running around the island going, he is a dangerous man. <laughs> where's the movie? <laughs> Steven Spielberg's Catch Me If You Can. Uh, again, Probably the most overlooked Spielberg film. Just uh, uh, Leo's great. The movie's wonderful. It was very confusing for the audience at the 180 Meridian Cinema. They just didn't really understand what he was doing as he as he imitated each of those jobs or roles that he was playing. They just could not really follow that plot. Um, so, not. No, I I love the film, but I I actually don't remember seeing it there. So. <laughs> So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Academy Award winner for Best Picture, Chicago. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just don't remember. They're both shrugging. I mean, mostly yeah. the music, the, for the most part, any musical type element in the films we show were in the Bollywood films. So it was an unusual thing um, for that for our audience, I guess. Uh, it seemed to play well. Um, we were having a bit, I remember having a, you see it in the movie a little bit. We were having a crisis with Georgia that night. So I think we were 
we had family distractions, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I mean, yeah, I mean, there were certainly, as I think about this too, there were a lot of other things going on all the time. So, um, you know, in terms of where the attention was, um, for me, you know, once again, it was um, distracted a lot in terms, of, and and also I would have been I would have been paying attention to the vibe in the theater and how things were going and how things were running. Not always. I mean, some of the ones we've mentioned, I remember very clearly whether it was panic rumor enough, but in other cases, it's just kind of like all, all blur. I believe the know-it-all Wyatt said about Chicago. I think he said like that one best picture. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's, he's not wrong. Uh, the core. Do you remember the core? Very well, because I'm obsessed with going to the center of the earth. I love the concept. <laughs> I couldn't believe they got such a high level cast for such a piece of crap. Um, <laughs> we love the fact that the uh, who's the the DJ Qualls, right? The the, the hacker yes. guy. Their hacker guy. We, yes. we love the, our kids. Uh, we joke about it. They had a lot of hot pockets in their time. So I believe the, they the did. whole. One plot element in that movie is that they entice him to sign on to the mission by telling him they can have as many hot pockets as he can eat. <laughs> Which you then every scene he's in the movie, he's eating a hot pocket. You know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's that of, was a big. Uh, that was a big, big thread in the trailers too, as I, if I recall correctly. Uh, Cradle to the grave. Uh, J- uh, Jet Li, right? I believe so. Yes, and, and, and DMX maybe. Oh, was DMX in that? Uh, maybe. Mike is nodding. I'm sure. Yes. Was, I'm sure it was. Su- I'm. I'm sure it was popular. I can't. I'm drawing a blank though. <laughs> Darkness Falls. Again, what I really wanted, I was really trying to get that horror film about the scary tooth fairy. What, you, you remember what that was? You, the, the, best, the best they could do is Darkness Falls. That's all I know. Uh, an, another Indian title, Devdas. Am I saying that right? Uh, yeah, it's sort of an epic. It's a it's an old Indian epic story. Um, it's a beautiful film. I, I I couldn't tell you much. Well, I think that was the day that some uh, an Indian family bought brought a. Um, a huge uh, serving of uh, of uh, chicken, fried chicken, with them uh, to the to the top part of the theater, and I remember having to clean up the chicken bones the next day. I wasn't thrilled about that. <laughs> uh, don't say a word with Brittany Murphy and Michael Douglas. Complete blank. That she I, all all I remember is. The trailer where she says, I'll never tell. That's all I remember. About <laughs> you that go, well, you're one up on us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was also. Thought, if Janet did right then said, that one I remember. <laughs> <laughs> this was also the year of the notorious E.T. re-release with the uh, the guns replaced by walkie talkies. What 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 more can I can I add? I'm sorry I had to <laughs> couldn't show the original to my my audience. They deserve better. Yeah, but I think Janet yeah. might have a word about ET. No, she's not going there. Even when I try to draw her out, she's not not a fan. <laughs> we almost didn't wind oh. up. Oh, <laughs> did you hear that sigh? <laughs> I did. You know. You know, I haven't seen it in a really long time. When we had just started going out when it first came out and John went to the, like 8 a.m. show or something and I was working that day at the film forum and, and he came crying later. He's like, oh, this movie's amazing. You have to see it. And I, it just left me really cold when I saw it as a 25-year-old or whatever. I was not into it. And I don't remember seeing it uh, 
at the at the cinema at the 180 180 cinema so you would have cried i think now i might actually really like the yeah. film but but i but it's you know taken me years in 82 janet was simpatico with pauline kale on the uh <laughs> on et yeah. uh gangs of new york gangs of new york was a was a it, it, it they, like everywhere else in our theater it was too long um mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't yeah. you know you, you certainly were riveted anytime daniel day lewis was doing his thing um there we go that print actually got on the ferry that she mentioned before that the prince came over on uh somehow we couldn't figure out how that print got wet because it's you know it's like you know below deck but mm-hmm. not in any open watery area but it turns out there was a container of uh frozen fish next to it that was slowly melting during the ferry trip oh <laughs> <laughs> as happens the, fairy, as... the fairies were amazing because it's how all the stuff got around but it's also how people mm-hmm. traveled and they would just you know right. they would just be lying on the floor i mean it was huge groups of people just you know huge picnics the smells were crazy uh on them and they were just a fascinating um mixture of all things on the ferry as you mentioned, you screened. Uh, you mentioned screening the first Harry Potter movie, but it looks like actually you also screened the second film, The Chamber of Secrets, when it came out as well. We were cat- when the, the first one was catching up with it when it was pretty much pretty fairly old, and the second one was timely, mm-hmm. and uh, so they were both fun. We I think maybe there was a girl who lived next door to the theater, and I sort of feel like she was the only person on the entire island who might have had a copy of a Harry well, Potter book. We brought it to her. Oh, we brought yeah, it to her. That's why. Oh, I no, see. Yeah, there were no books on the there were like no books on the island books were very hard to mm-hmm. come by and um mm-hmm. so i remember we did when when john was saying he had gone back and forth setting up where we were going to live and finding about the schools and all that kind of stuff and and he promised her because she was just this avid avid reader and we we did we brought her we brought her the next harry potter book that was very exciting wow um another indian film humrahs uh, I have a DVD upstairs, uh, but I'll get back to you on that. But not for this podcast. I just I don't. <laughs> Humrahs. I do remember Humrahs. Yeah, it had like a like a yeah. There was a song in it. The key a title song, song called Humrahs. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, Ice Age. We didn't do a lot of animation. Um, that that uh, that played very well. Um, I I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, some people hate those films, right? Uh, it yeah, didn't, it didn't bug They're, me. It was, it was, you my, know. I wish we could have shown Finding Nemo. That would have been fun. There you go. My kids like the Ice Age movies, and that's good enough. Uh, the aforementioned Christopher Nolan uh, Insomnia came out this year. Well, that to me, like Panic Room, was one of the films that surprised me the most. That I felt like the audience was riveted. I thought they loved it, mm. you know, and the intensity and the kind of that you could feel the engagement with that film. That that's something that's very very clear to me. And I remember thinking, what's in Alaska, right? Like it's very yeah. far different from the Fijian weather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well put. Very, very much so. Uh, Johnny English starring Rowan Atkinson. Again, in the last batch that are in the movie and uh, you know, that broad humor, they love Mr. Bean, of course, is not a, never became a big popular movie figure here in America, but in the rest of the world and the rest of the English speaking world, huge, it, the Commonwealth, I guess we call it, right? In the Commonwealth, Mr. Bean is no, no equal. Um, and, th- and that film, it's not called a, a Mr. Bean film, but let's face it, Johnny English is Mr. Bean. I once was trying to give away a poster before a show, um, uh-huh. and I said, um, who can name the Three Stooges? 
and somebody went, <laughs> went, Larry, Curly, and Mr. Bean. <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect um like mike was released this year oh i love that film i i saw that somewhere else actually i think we saw that in suba yeah. i saw it with my son in a different in, in fiji but in not at the one at an 80 minute cinema and i just really love that apparently film. Wow. Like seeing the film hey. at the 180 <laughs> out patronizing the competition man what the heck <laughs> that the theater in suba was awesome actually but uh it was the film played great um and that probably is what kind of inspired me to go book joanna man later uh since it's also the basketball theme was eddie also around the same time i would have been eddie was probably <laughs> later right Eddie's a few years few years earlier oh, than that. eddie was okay. around nine, 96 or so yeah uh two the first two lord of the rings movies fellowship of the ring and the two towers both came out during this year again lord of the rings we were late in the cycle and two towers right. we were right on it and then it was fun for us because we went we were close enough to new zealand that we went down there when they were just finishing return of the king and got to visit set and, and oh wow uh, and you really want to, you know, sometimes I say the best thing about going to Fiji was going to New Zealand. Um, I, I really, I really love New Zealand. And we spent a couple of weeks there over Christmas. And then, um, and we went, you know, you can do kind of a Lord of the Rings tour. And it's just so, it's so real, you know, what it looks like there. Wow. It's just like, you're in it, you know. It's Before it was an wow. official tour, which it is yeah. now, you could just, you would just go, let's go to these places. Yeah. Let's look just up. hang out. Yeah. We had the location guidebook. It's like, let's go to these places. But the, the thing about two, uh, two towers um, is that's the one with the ants, um, you know, marching out of the far, the, mm-hmm. out of the forest and marching into action after being pacifists at first. Right. Right. And, right. Again, because this is a, an Island where the population lives in amongst trees um, in a very mm-hmm. close relationship with the trees. When those ants like are talking, but then march into battle, people flip the fuck out. I mean, they in a, wow. in a good way. It was really, you know, you yeah. could feel it. Well, and we came back with amazing. One of the tree. We came back with one of the talking. What do you call them? Talking trees from the film. Yeah, and the- then we had it, and the, the Fijian <laughs> kids just really loved playing with it. It was amazing. Oh, amazing. Okay, so you screened the Matrix and the Matrix Reloaded. Was this a similar thing, a, a, a catch up, and then a, a recent? Yes, very exactly, exactly that. Um, and we, and again, Matrix Reloaded is probably something we got to see when it first opened in um, in in New Zealand at one point when we were there. Um, I you know, people the films played well. I don't really have anything. Yeah. I mean, do I? I, I that first Matrix film um, was well, I, maybe a life changing film for me. I mean, I just yeah. remember sitting down and not knowing that much uh, back, you know, in America, obviously. Same. Well, I'm, just, I'm just laughing at this is off topic, but I was visiting our daughter in Suva where she was going to an international school for the first half of the year. She were trying to have mm-hmm. her not miss a year. And so I took her to the Village Six to the regular cinema was there. We saw Ali G and I was, <laughs> I, I didn't know who he was, but she had said we should go see this movie. And I'm sitting there, my daughter, this 15 year old kid and i'm sitting there with my hand up against my face because i'm laughing so hard and it's so inappropriate it's so inappropriate <laughs> to be with my daughter but i thought it was the funniest thing i'd ever seen or heard you know so that's the i don't know why i just kind of came into my mind that's great that's great <laughs> so we didn't show all right another indian title for me to mangle mohabit mohabitan it's mohabitan it's another one based on a very a classic story it's a film that had been uh made or remade um several times um, it's to, it's a just a it's a just a beautiful glorious movie. Mohabbatin. 
Thank you for that. Uh, Monsters Incorporated. That was another Don. Sorry, that was another Don Ward film. So again, he, both I, I love the movie, but I I don't know how it played there. Like I, that, when I said we didn't show much animation, I completely forgot about that. Well, My big fat Greek wedding. You're doing the list. It didn't actually show. We had the print, but we oh. didn't actually show it. So that's a cheat on the list. Oh, I see. Uh, I believe this was a Martin Lawrence vehicle. National Security. Uh. Martin Lawrence went over like gangbusters and that's about <laughs> we had two three stooges shorts nurses worse and some more of Samoa some more Samoa is the cannibalism one nurses worse right not good the story behind this though is that when the theater opened in 1954 early on they came into possession of three I forget the third one but they came into possession of three of those shorts of those uh, two reelers and um, they just stayed there and they would get pulled out <laughs> on special occasions i guess uh one <laughs> for us the special occasion was the first time we went in with the tv show it's like don sook the ran the theater at that point just wanted to give us a special little treat and uh we didn't know like what he goes i want to show something first and we're like oh, whatever what is it, like a news <laughs> fox movie, right you know, movie tone newsreel and it was but it was that it was more samoa wow and as, wow. and as John mentioned earlier, we've been warned over and over again, don't bring up cannibalism. Like, do not bring that up. You know, and here we are the first time there and the, and the, and the audience was losing their mind over it. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, the Soderbergh Oceans 11 came out this year. Or as Don Sook always called it to me, Oceans 2. <laughs> <laughs> I had no the heart oh. to correct him. Yeah. <laughs> uh m night Shyamalan signs i think it i i don't remember it playing well or badly but i just i i, I just personally i think everybody i know everybody loved that scene uh where he uses the reflection in the knife under the door of the pantry to see the i think that's the first time you see the creature out in the yeah or whatever it's just i remember like oh, that great was moment big, that got a big scream yeah because it's really well yeah done. yeah it is uh robert rodriguez is spy kids big hit boats yeah they know boats <laughs> they really know boats in fact i went down the i taped um i used to sometimes because the theater was so open and you could hear the responses uh obviously in the theater but if you walk down the sure. block down the street outside um especially to this little payphone that was about half uh, i don't know 100 yards away something like that it was great to hear like huge responses or huge laughter from from down the street, from down the dirt road, and and Spy Kids, um, we had shown it one night, and I knew this was going to be this big response when the boat's driving, and it basically this island kind of splits in half so that the boat can go through, and the people people just went nuts, and I actually recorded it for Robert Rodriguez. We didn't live here yet, but I just I said I just I just recorded. I never played it for him, but I I just thought it was like the the coolest response, you know, just standing a hundred yards away from the theater, down you know in the darkness just with people like inside there just flipping out. They love that movie. Nice. Uh, uh, here's one that was not a new release. You guys ran Steamboat Bill Jr. while you were there. Made, capped off the year. My favorite yeah. filmmaker in the history of cinema. Yeah, that was always, you know, when you started off by saying, why didn't we show classics or whatever? That was John. I mean, that was very important to him. And it actually took a lot of doing. That was complicated for him to get the print. Didn't the film crew yeah. have them bring it in or something like that? It was something where he went to a lot of trouble for us to be able to show that. And it was extraordinary in that setting. It was really amazing. Yeah. 
it's yeah. it's uh, it's a bond between us because we showed you know seven chances at our wedding you know right steamboat bill jr in fiji it's like a it's a running theme oh uh, he's the best beautiful yeah yeah agreed uh jet lee in the one don't remember it it's funny how the jet lee films are just didn't stick in my mind they kind of blur they kind of blur uh denzel washington and training day it was you know again what a rough raw sort of terrific film it played great i remember it playing really well I never talked to, you know, uh, we see Ethan Hawke all the time with Rick uh, Linklater, and it's just like, I've never actually told him about Training Day in Fiji. I got to remember. <laughs> oh, he would love that. Um, oh, speaking of raw and rough, um, Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant in two weeks notice. Do you, do you remember? <laughs> I just, yeah. Jan, yep. like, if J-Lo wasn't in it, Janet's not going to have yeah, any. I, mean, I was just thinking training day but i wouldn't have been able to tell you that that's where i saw it but I, that right been the case so it's yeah mind i'm not uh, sure sandra bullock remembers two weeks notice. I think we're all okay. wasn't it kind of a hit though no a little bit of a hit yeah it was a little bit of a hit like, yeah, yeah, yeah. people like them together right i they did they they did indeed uh undercover brother yeah i i, I mentioned it before it just it was uh kind of like i'm not sure how much they got the joke um, you know, um, the insideriness of it or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it, you know, that was, that was a good play. And finally X2 X-Men part. Oh no. What was it? X-Men part two X2. I can't remember what the title construction was, but X2 came out that year. Um, immortalized in real paradise when, uh, the, when the trailer yep. goes on upside down and backwards, uh, with, <laughs> with <down> in reverse, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I again, I've I, good, good people loved it. I have really good memories. You know, my awesome. defense, this was you know over twenty years ago, and but I just think about during my South by years in the pro, we're just between like September and January. I watched oh god five hundred films. Oh yeah. So for fifteen years, that's just the during the programming season, not the off right when I was catching up with everything else. So I feel a little like justified in the fact that. You're, you're just fine. You're, you, you owe us neither an explanation nor an apology. Thank you, Janet. Um, all right. We're going to throw it to our friend, W. Axel Foley for a quick PSA. Head on over to your favorite podcasting app. Give us a star, a rate, a review. Give us a written review and tell us that you love us. Cause that's what lets people know that we're here. All right, John and Janet Pearson, um, this is usually the part where we ask people where they can find you on social media. Um, but I, uh, John, I know, has, has, has not dived into that world, and I, I congratulate you for that. <laughs> uh, but Janet, Janet, where can people keep up with you? Well, uh, on Instagram, where I mostly am, I'm Grainy Miz, G-R-A-N-I-Y-M-S. We used to have a company, Grainy Pictures, so I was Grainy M-S. Um, I'm on the my name at Facebook and, you know, I miss Twitter. I'm so sad about that. So I don't know. I guess yeah, I'm on threads same. too. It's either my name or Grainy Miz. But I have to say, whenever I post pictures of John, people get very, very excited. And my biggest <laughs> engagement is always when I post stuff of John. <laughs> nice i am fun city cinema on instagram jason dash bailey on letterbox where you can find under my list the top fives for every regular episode of the show mike where can people find you i am at brainwashed lib on twitter and don't forget that we are on substack a very good year.substack.com 
Uh, if you're not listening to this there, that's where paid subscribers get bonus episodes like these, bonus writing, and much more. Uh, John and Janet, thank you again for coming on this evening and for, for walking down memory lane. This was this was so much fun to, to talk through with you guys. Thank you for having us, and I wish you guys could have been there with us. It was really something. Yeah. It was, it was like fun it. to have a reason to, to think about it. It was fun for me to, because I don't think about it all the time. It was really fun to kind of like go back and spend some time kind of remembering it again. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for listening. It sweet and clear. It was a very